Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. We're talking Pirates baseball today, this Friday, August 12th, with Adam Barry, our Pirates reporter. Adam, we thank you, as always, for the time. And let's just kind of start off in uh, general terms with this Pirates team and the team's last 20 games. They're only 10-10 and 10 and not playing the uh, the best competition in that 20-game stretch. And, again, just a, a 500 mark in those 20 games. And, you know, as of this discussion right now on Friday, they're only two games out of the second wild card spot. But to me – and I don't know if you agree, this just kind of feels like a team in some regards that's really treading water instead of a team that's really in the heat of a playoff chase. Like, I mean, am I am I off base here, or does this kind of feel the same to you and to maybe some of the fans too? I think definitely to the fans, uh, I would agree with that completely. You mentioned that 20-game stretch. They went 10-10 and against the Brewers, Phillies, Mariners, who are turning around a little bit, the Brewers again, the Braves, Reds, and Padres. None of those teams uh, are what you would call, you know, really difficult competition, aside from the fact that they're just major league teams and every major league team can win on any given night. But it, it, it has felt a little weird, and it's hard to explain because, you know, they, they are struggling as a team in many different ways. You know, the lineup has not looked very good. Uh, the rotation has actually turned it around uh, quite a bit since they made some of these changes here recently. But overall, the record just doesn't really reflect the team that's in the playoff chase. However... Nobody else in the running for that second wild card has really sort of run ahead and claimed it. I mean, you know, the Marlins uh, at this point are kind of in the driver's seat on that front. The Cardinals are dealing with some injuries now. They're probably having a very similar uh, sounding season, I would imagine, if you talk to Langosh about it. And, you know, then you have the Pirates and the Mets who are in a very similar situation, just kind of, you know, fall treading water, you know, not really – being a strong push to get it much ahead of 500. So they're kind of in a weird place overall. But, you know, if you sort of take a step back and if you're just looking at the standings and not watching the team play every day, you would think two games of a wild card, you know, with the better part of, you know, a month and a half, two months to go, this team still has a chance if they can get uh, something sort of falling in place the way that they planned. And, and what I find interesting, too, is that, of course, you know, you talk to any Pirates fan and they'll tell you how much they, you know, they hate the – the wild card spot because of the wild card game and the way that's gone for the Pirates in the last two seasons, it's been one and done. Uh, they won in their first appearance uh, three years ago, but again, the last two have not gone the Pirates' way. So 
here they come into the season, you know, knowing that we have a good enough team, we can compete, as they always do, for the NL Central crown. But because the Cubs are just destroying everything in their path, and I believe their division lead is like, I don't know, 13, 14 games. Uh, as of right now, they're destroying the Cardinals today as we speak. Is that a part of it where there's some lingering disappointment that, you know what, if we do get into the playoffs again, it's going to, again, be as a wild card, and that's why this doesn't really feel as intense or joyful as it has the past couple seasons? I think the reason for that is we're just based on the performance. You know, you look in, even if you do consider the, the games behind, you know, the bail for the wild card spot, the performance just hasn't been that good. I mean, they're two games 500. It seems like they haven't really broken much past that. Over the last several weeks, you know they've they've been going 500 essentially for the better part of a month now. Uh, I think that's more the the reason that it doesn't feel quite as inspired as the last couple of years. Because honestly, the way that sort of expectations change over time, the way that this team struggled through June, I think just making the postseason and having a chance would be would be a good thing for this team. And you mentioned that second wild card; it's something the Pirates probably hated, you know, the last couple of years when they were the first team and they lost the last two. You know, if it had been in the old format, they would have uh, had a better chance of playing a full uh, postseason series. Now they're probably really big fans of it because it's the only thing really giving them, uh, you know, good reason to believe that they can still be postseason team because the Dodgers are gaining ground on the Giants and they've pretty well pulled ahead uh, in the the wild card, uh, the first wild card race. And the Pirates are about to see those two teams, the Dodgers and the Giants, uh, here in a row on this West Coast trip. So. You're probably going to get a little bit of a better feel for how close they are to being a postseason caliber team by the way that they perform over this next stretch you yeah, you mentioned, and they did in the previous one. Absolutely, and uh, you mentioned that these uh, big six games coming up on the West Coast against the Dodgers and against the Giants is going to answer a lot of questions uh, coming up in the next uh, week or so. Adam, with all this said, if uh, Jamison Tyone continues to pitch the way he did on Thursday, if he does this every fifth day, then perhaps this playoff race will start to uh, intensify and just have a different feel towards it. Uh, Tyone was great again. Eight scoreless innings against the Padres at PNC Park, and I think the baseball world is starting to awaken to what the Pirates have known for a couple of years now, that this kid Tyone can really be something special. Yeah, you really can't say enough about how impressive he's been since he up. It's the, the consistency, the strike throwing, the poise, uh, you know, the fact that he's been so consistent over the last uh, six starts or so. He's thrown at least six innings, all in quality starts. You know, now he's had two of his ten major league starts within eight scoreless innings. Uh, it's really, really, really impressive stuff from a guy who did not pitch in affiliated games over the last two years. I wrote about it uh, last week, and you know, he was ready to kind of put the whole prospect thing behind him. He was ready to show that he could be, you know, a competitive major league pitcher. And I think at this point, you could argue that he's, you know, been maybe the Pirates' best pitcher over this recent stretch. Uh, he's certainly a very solid number two to get. Well, if you want to, you know, if you still view Cole as the the eighth of the staff, which I think you certainly can do given his track record, really an able replacement for the Francisco Liriano that the Pirates hoped they were going to get to start the season. Yeah, no question. And when you go back to the start of the season and you look at the rotation then compared to the rotation now, I mean, it, it's almost completely different. You know, at, at that point, at the beginning of the year, guys like uh, Tyone and Glass now were the, you know, the young up-and-comers but not quite yet ready to be a part of a major league staff. But now, like you said, you know, apologies to Garrett Cole, but Jamison Tyone is the best pitcher on this team right now. You look at the other new additions and uh, Chad Cool and Yvonne Nova through trade and a returning Ryan Vogelsong. And, you know, I got to give Neil Huntington a lot of credit because, you know, every team 
during the course of a season is going to have some attrition and go through changes in their rotation. But in my opinion, I don't think any team has been as aggressive in revamping and reformatting their rotation as the Pirates have. And I got to give Neil Huntington a lot of credit because it would be easy to not lay back, but kind of make excuses and say, you know what, we've Mm -hmm. been hit by this injury, this underperformance, and we just have to ride things out. That's not what he did. He knows this team is still in the thick of a playoff hunt, and this rotation as it stands now, you know, this could be something special for the Pirates going down the stretch because there's a lot of new faces, but they're all performing well. Yeah, and something had to give at some point with the rotation. You mentioned that opening day group. It had Juan Acasio, Francisco Liriano, Jonathan Neese, and Jeff Locke. They all put up ERAs over five as starters with the Pirates. That simply wasn't going to hold up. So they had to do something, and I think Neil Huntington was pretty aggressive. You know, the plan was always for Tyone to fall into the rotation at some point this season. And he has done that, and after a little bit of time down to, you know, make sure that he's fresh into September – He's really claimed spot is his own. There's no question he's not going anywhere. And then at the trade deadline, they were pretty aggressive to essentially replace Liriano with uh, Ivan Nova. The Liriano trade wasn't all that popular in Pittsburgh. I think the Nova one very well could be. If he continues to pitch like he did in his debut, he'll get the ball tonight in Los Angeles. Uh, Ryan Vogelsong is just such a great story, and it's really made a whole lot better by the way that he's pitched his first few times out. The competition has been all that great. You know, the Braves and the Padres, but the, the performance has been good. He's looked a little bit more like the good starter that he was in San Francisco than the kind of inconsistent reliever, and I think he is really taken to that role. And Chad Cool is actually, un, you know, better than his stuff would indicate. He's really a competitive kind of gritty guy, and I think if you start to see that power sinker come into play, you're looking at a pretty solid one through five rotation over the last I think seven starts entering Friday night, basically since they bumped Jeff Lock and they kind of cut the cord from the open day rotation. They've got a 2-2-2 ERA. I don't know if that was the right number of twos when I said it, but hmm. 2.22 ERA in their last seven starts. They've pitched more than six things per start. It's really been the rotation that they need. They just can't get up uh, offense out of their lineup right now to back it up. Yeah, and that brings me to my next point is that for all the changes in the rotation, a lot of reshuffling within the lineup as uh, Clint Hurdle has really, you know, shaken things up lately against similar to what we've seen in that rotation. Among the changes, among the many changes, I think most notably uh, Josh Harrison batting leadoff once again. John Jaso, who was the leadoff guy, has been dropped to sixth or seventh on some occasions. Gregory Polanco hitting cleanup for the first time in his career. Uh, Starling Marte is batting a second, I believe. So when you look at the entirety of these changes, what in your mind is the most important change that was made to hopefully uh, turn this offense around? I think probably putting Josh Harrison in the leadoff spot. I mean, the the numbers don't necessarily indicate this season that he's the best option there. He's got a on-base percentage at or a little bit below 300, which is not what you're looking for from a leadoff guy. It's the reason that John Jaso began the season as the leadoff guy. He has such great on-base percentage, you know, throughout his career. But Clint Hurdle said it the other day. You know, at a certain point, they they had to you know say enough is enough and recognize that the personnel they were putting in those positions just they weren't getting it done. You know, they tried to optimize their lineup in spring training. It made a lot of sense. It didn't work over the course of the season. It worked in April, kind of in May, and then not really so much since then. So. I think it's interesting that Hurdle's going back to Josh Harrison in the leadoff spot. That's where he had a lot of success in 2014. Uh, Gregory Polanco is a cleanup man. is interesting. He's hit really well with runners in scoring position, and he's arguably been the best all-around hitter this season, given Andrew McCutcheon's struggles. So that's also an interesting look. I just think it's more telling that Hurdle finally sort of, you know, said it was time to change and shake things up fairly significantly 
as far as, you know, giving David Freeze more at-bats than Jung-Ho Gong. It's, it, you know, it is funny to hear the way that we're talking about this because we started the show with. It's a playoff contending team that has blown up its rotation and had to significantly rearrange its lineup. It just doesn't really – it's really hard to kind of process the things that are going so wrong with the fact that this is still a team very much in the in the postseason mix. Yeah, it, it's a weird uh, kind of dynamic and dichotomy, if you will. Like you said, this is a team that's right there in the thick of it, but you know, wholesale changes to the the rotation to the lineup. You just don't see this with teams contending for playoff spots in the middle of August. But here we are with this uh, Pittsburgh Pirates team, and uh, you know, a small sample size, but. So far, so good, at least in terms mm-hmm. of the offense. We saw Polanco go deep the other day, uh, bad and clean up for the first time. The rotation, as you pointed out, is on the upswing, and the, the bullpen's been a rock all year. So hopefully the start of a, a turnaround, the start of something big for this Pirates team as they head down the stretch, the final 45 or 50 games of the season, that in itself is uh, certainly hard to believe. And, uh, Adam, to wrap up here on the – Lighter side of things, we talked about the offense, we talked about the rotation, the pitching and everything, but the biggest story for this team, I got to know how Starling Marte got his hands on an accordion as uh, this was on the website. This is on Pirates.com. He was parading around the clubhouse uh, playing the accordion. I'm not sure if he played it well, if it was in tune, if he knew what he was doing, but I mean, answer the big questions here. Uh, you know, is it his own accordion? Did he steal it? Is he giving it back? Is is this a second career of his? What's going on here? Yeah, I walked into the clubhouse, uh, you know, Thursday morning. You know, actually, you're looking at case Francisco's really left the game, so you're looking for you know some sign of a roster move. And Elias Diaz was there, and I thought that was kind of interesting. He's maybe a taxi squad type guy. So I look at Elias Diaz, and then my eyes completely taken off of that. The news of the day to Starling Marte walking around the clubhouse with an accordion, just, you know, kind of playing it one-handed, which is not how you play an accordion, obviously. Uh, so that was fairly interesting to see. No real rhyme or reason to it. I asked a player, one of his teammates, because Marte is a really funny guy. He's got a really good sense of humor. He's very quick to smile. I said, you know, why does Starling Marte have an accordion? And, and uh, the, one of the players said, you know what, I'll bet he just went out and bought it online yesterday because he thought it would be funny. That would have been a really funny story, but it was not the case. According to the uh, in highly investigative reporting of Dan Potash from Root Sports Pittsburgh, uh, it was Felipe Rivero's accordion. Mm. Felipe Rivero is the new uh, left-handed setup man the Pirates got in the Mark Melanson trade, and apparently he's been taking accordion lessons over the last month or so. And Marte, you know, not willing to let an opportunity fly, picked it up and figured he could, you know, show that he can play as well even without lessons. So you never know what you're going to see when you walk into any clubhouse, for the Pirates clubhouse, on a early morning in August. So it's, I'm curious to see where that goes. I hope uh, you know they can get a clubhouse band together or something like that. Yeah, and personally, I'm hoping that after Pirates wins, they break out the accordion because, as we see so often, they'll play, you know, somebody's got their mix and something on their iPod. But I say, to heck with that. Fire up the accordion. This could be like a praying mantis thing that the Royals have going on right now. What do you think the odds of that happening are? Well, you know, I actually, when I covered the Rays a couple of years ago, there were trumpets and saxophones and drums and all that, you know, <laughs> along with just the normal post-game clubhouse music. So, fingers crossed that I can kind of see a, a different 
uh, you know, version of that here in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean, you know, we had We Are Family decades ago. Maybe the, the accordion gang can become a thing here in 2016 <laughs> if the Pirates can ride this out, get into the postseason, and hopefully good things will come. Stranger things have and uh, have happened and will happen in the future. No question there. Good place to wrap this one up with Adam Barry, our Pirates reporter. Adam, thank you so much for the time. Enjoy your weekend. We'll do it again next week. In the meantime, Matt Waymeyer signing off for MLB.com Extras, Pittsburgh Pirates. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.